This is the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast, covering high school and college sports here on the Eastern Shore with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. And now, here's Mark and Mike. Episode 84 of Time Out with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group, Mike Bradley, Mark Potter, and who knows who else will join us along the way. <laughs> That's right. You never so, do know. Yeah, it's uh, being recorded on uh, this Columbus Day. So a uh, federal holiday, but not a day that uh, well, the t- schools are closed. So, you know, they're still going to school. Are they? So, yeah. I, I haven't ca- I haven't yeah. caught up with all that. Yeah. I, all I know is in the private sector, I'm working today. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, the private sector. <laughs> yes. Uh, us, us peasants, we're working. So, that's right. <laughs> this first segment sponsored by our friends at the Edge Training Academy, where passion meets performance, located in Stevensville at 112 Log Canoe Circle in the Chesapeake Bay Business Park. You can train there, play there, and give there. Get more info at theedge360.net. They've got a big gala coming up next March that I'm seeing again. And uh, it's a great fundraiser for all the events and things that they do across the shore. Uh, a crazy weekend. Before we even get to the high school stuff, oh, you know, let's, yeah. um, you know, of course. Get my, this out of the way first, yeah, right? <laughs> my, my commanders kick off the week, oh, weekend with a, uh, with a bad loss yeah. to the uh, previously winless Chicago Bears. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then it just went down the hill from there for yeah. the Baltimore teams. Yeah, yeah. You know, Orioles losing two to Texas Saturday and Sunday. Yesterday right. was really ugly. Um, and, and then, of yeah. course, the Ravens losing to Pittsburgh. And you always hate to see a Pittsburgh loss. But, you know, it's one of those things that they got beat by Pittsburgh. It's Lamar. Well, you mean I don't like to see a Pittsburgh win. You mean? Well, but I mean, depends you, on you hate pretty... losing to Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. yeah I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah no. And, and Maryland lost to Ohio State Saturday, which I, I know they weren't favored to win. But that game in the first half, they looked really good. And then when they botched the field goal attempt at the end of the half, it all went downhill from there. And they lost by 20. It was a closer game than that for the most part. But they, they should have been a lot more competitive in the second half. And that was, I think, just tough to swallow that they didn't entirely put their best foot forward in that second half and then see where the cards you know fall as they say well in virginia tech they you know they didn't show up for the first half i guess it was down in uh, tallahassee for against florida state and then they did wake up and made it a game but uh, gave up that long touchdown late so uh they, you know the one local school is doing well and that is uh delaware um had climbed up to the uh, number nine in the rankings and uh, Kevin O'Connor, I, I mean, I'm sorry, Ryan O'Connor, mm-hmm. again having a 350 plus yard passing game. Yeah, against Duquesne. Yeah. Yeah, coming off the bye week, they had uh, a nice margin w- victory there. And yeah, I mean, Delaware continues to climb the ranks, and it's great to see him continue to ascend and have himself uh, a really good season and uh, certainly well uh, well planted as the QB1 there uh, in Newark. Yeah, and uh, same with Marcus Yarns having a, having mm-hmm. a strong year. Yeah. Uh, with the University of Delaware as well. So uh, yeah. definitely a good thing to see. Yeah, there's some other players in the collegiate ranks that are having good uh, good seasons that I need to try to catch up on and, and uh, do some posting on our Facebook page with, and I'll try to do that here in the next week or two. But but those are the two, just because they're so close, that uh, really stand out. Of course, O'Connor from Easton and Yarns from uh, from Parkside. Yeah, so uh, th- there's a, a, quick, a quick tour, so to speak, before we get into – all of the high school stuff that we're going to talk yeah, about. 
It was the worst weekend of sports for me as a fan, maybe in my life. And I'm not overstating that, but it, it just was with all the teams, the matchups. And But that said, uh, it's behind us, and all I could do is look forward to hopefully them doing better in their next games. Did, did Michigan lose? No, they did not. Oh, Michigan, well, uh, they took it. Yeah, for me, that was uh, a little consolation. They had a blowout win Saturday night. You'd have jumped off your night. balcony. If, if, well, they, <laughs> yeah, there's no way they should be losing to Minnesota or Indiana. Their schedule will get much tougher come November when they've got Penn State maryland and ohio state yeah we'll see how that plays out we'll talk high school sports next the top 60 sales drive is going on right now at the preston autoplay over 2,000 vehicles available to shop from and you'll save big take advantage of over ten thousand dollars total savings on america's best-selling truck the ford f-150 or over three thousand dollars on the adventure ready ford bronco sport the inventory and savings continue beyond ford with hundreds of new hyundais mazda nissan lincoln's and genesis vehicles in inventory and now is the time to trade up during the sales drive with a thousand dollars preston trade assistance every new vehicle purchase comes with preston for life engine guarantee is our investment in we now offer mobile service for all service-related needs, including oil changes, brake replacements, tire repairs, and genuine parts installation for all makes and models. Our skilled technicians will come directly to you. You can find us at the crossroads of Routes 318 and 331. Our doors are open 838 on the weekdays and 830 until 6 on Saturdays. Be sure to visit us for our annual trunk or treat at the Preston Autoplex on Saturday, October 21st from 2 until 4 p.m. Prizes for the best costume, food trucks on site, and fun for the entire family. Cars cost less in Preston. And this portion of the Time Out with Shore Sports Podcast is brought to you by Pret Moy Therapy Associates, located at 460 Main Street in Stevensville. Let Rick Pret and the staff get you back to feeling new again, accepting most insurance policies. So step away from the pain by calling Pret Moy Therapy Associates. Their phone number is at 410 604 2982. Absolutely. All right, let's get to uh, talking high school sports uh, right off the bat. Our uh, overtime live Preston Ford game of the week uh, featured the Decatur Seahawks and the Kent Island Buccaneers, and uh, both teams went in there uh, unbeaten. And Decatur jumped out quick, and and they really looked strong. But then you just you just could sense that Kent Island was clawing back in, and they did. It was seventeen twelve mm-hmm. and a half. Uh, you know, the two touchdowns came from uh, Bogardis and from Shane Bogardis, and uh, Gavin Henry found Tucker Claxton in the mm-hmm. end zone for their two first-half touchdowns. The The other part, though, that really surprises me is they couldn't get into the end zone in the second half for Ken Island, and they kicked a field goal, but ended up losing 33-15. I think the game was closer than the score indicated, only because, you know, they did score a couple of, they, at least one touchdown late, maybe even two. But Ken Island had a shot if they had been able to convert after they uh, forced them to um, fail on that fourth down fake punt. and But they just couldn't convert on that. Well, yeah, I mean, first, Decatur getting out to a 17 nothing lead. That was, I mean, that's big to try to dig yourself out of the hole. To their credit, and you know Ken Island's not going to quit. They didn't, to your point. They got back into it with uh, a Bogardis touchdown run and then uh, the Claxton nine-yard touchdown reception. The two-point conversion, though, was no good, so that would have cut it to a field goal game. Right. But uh, let's be honest, though, as good as Ken Island's defense traditionally is, and we sing the praises of Tim Goodrich, deservedly so, as defensive coordinator, we 
We have to sing the praises of Russ Croto and the execution by the offense of Stephen Decatur because they scored on their on their first three series. On their fourth one, that's when they had the fake punt that was stopped. And Ken Island did convert. A, they got the ball on the Decatur 45-yard line there, Mark, and they did end up scoring. That was that nine-yard touchdown pass um, to Claxton. So that was after uh, the Begardis touchdown run, and that's what cut the deficit down um, to five. But, yeah, Decatur did punt on their next series, but they start out in the second half, and they scored on their very first offensive possession. And then on their second possession, they got a field goal, and it just you know went down the line where, you know, for the most part, Ken Island was not stopping Steve Decatur's offense, though. Um you know, that that's the thing. And they were able to do it through the air and, you know, on the ground. And, and, and maybe a little bit more on the ground than expected. But, yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day, Ken Island uh, can talk about, and I know Coach Sofanowski talked about missing blocks um, and things offensively that hurt him. But I'm not sure that even if they had continued to score, Mark, that they would have been able to keep up because they weren't stopping Decatur's offense. Yeah. I had a couple, you know, a couple of punts and uh, and that failed fake punt. But outside of that, uh, I kind of feel like it was, uh, or maybe turnovers. I can't remember. You know, that was Friday. We we moved on to another week. So, but uh, <laughs> well, I, look, this was a this was a big matchup. Now, do I think that? Yeah, I mean, to some extent, I hear what you're saying that maybe the the 18 points. It didn't seem like it was that wide a margin of victory it did but it didn't um but the score is what the score is now if those two teams play again what i expect that ken island would make some adjustments um learn from their mistakes uh is that a game that i think would be closer sure do i still give the advantage to decatur with the weapons that they have the quarterback and the speed yes i I would still pick decatur again in a in a rematch so uh, Bryson Coleman was our Sport Clips MVP in that one. Uh, had quite the performance. And uh, then, of course, uh, we had our Joseph W. McCartan insurance touchdown tally. Yeah, we got our dog here. Our, our, our team dog is with us there. <laughs> there you so, go. Hey, Joseph W. McCartan insurance touchdown tally. Another six touchdowns. Your math was right on. on, uh, on um, oh, I did. On, yeah, I, I did the math Friday. live yeah. on the air. On yeah, the... I heard it. it was right on. <laughs> For so some was, uh, Now we're up to $2,025. There you go. Um, you know, nice. After adding another six touchdowns in there. So uh, we do appreciate those folks there at Joseph W. McCartan insurance. Uh, with the uh, touchdown tally, you can get an insurance quote at McCartan.com. This Friday night is going to be our Preston Ford Overtime Live Game of the Week. We'll be in Berlin for an unbeaten Decatur Seahawks and North Carolina Bulldog Contest. Uh, the, those are the only two teams left undefeated in the base side. And North Carolina's coming in off an impressive win over J.M. Bennett, where it was real tight early. It was. Uh, it was uh, 21-13 at the half, actually. And uh, one of those scores uh, was a special team score uh, for, by uh, North Carolina. Was a 90-yarder? Uh, that was actually, I think, Bennett returned. Okay, I'm sorry. House. Bennett yeah. returned. Okay. Yeah. And, and Bennett has scored on special teams a little bit. But, yeah, it was 21-13 at the half, and it was a, a back-and-forth game. I know you had mentioned on the uh, broadcast about them maybe having to change the light bulbs of the scoreboard. Because well, in the first quarter, it was like yeah. they had scored 40-some points. They were over the over-under on that one from the beginning. It, yeah, it was it was back-and-forth in that one. But Caroline pulled away. And, and I know um, I got a text, too, from uh, Coach uh, Lasinski of J.M. Bennett saying that, you know, all the things we did well, 
well in the first half. We didn't do well in the second half, and and vice versa. He said we're still a work in uh, still a work in progress there. And for North Carolina, Coach McMorris said you know the running game really uh, and that's their bread and butter. The running game grinded out long drives, and uh, they they didn't really throw the ball much. They didn't I guess need to either. And you had Smith with a couple of touchdowns, Weber with a couple of touchdowns. Um, they didn't really ask much of Bell in the game because they had things going there. And I think the one thing that's funny, Mark, I know we're, we're not quite at the end of the year yet. We still have three weeks, but I was already thinking about, okay, when you and me and coach sit down with postseason awards, we're thinking about MVPs and things like that. I look at North Carolina, I can't pick out an MVP of that backfield because they've all contributed pretty equally between Bell and between Smith and between Weber. And I may be missing, I think Smith had a couple of touchdowns too. Yeah. Um, but, but they've gotten such, to me, equal equal contributions. Yeah, I mean, and and they're getting it done. I mean, and that's the way that teams make it happen. Yeah, and, and so, I mean, here's the thing. As we know, though, it's going to be North Carolina offensively. Can they establish the run against Decatur? Can they keep Decatur's offense off the field? And then conversely, with the, the dual threat that Decatur is with Bryson Coleman, a quarterback, you know, can they – can they limit him? Uh, but I think what you saw, and they've got Manuel as a running back, but also you saw Purnell have success. Decatur showed a little bit about running the football, getting those guys involved in that aspect of it, although they still like to get guys out in space and let them do their thing, which look at what happened Friday night. Uh, certainly that happened with the uh, with the two touchdowns um, that uh, Kareem Bolden had, the Seifert transfer there. But you know, Decatur showed uh, maybe a little bit more multiplicity to their offense the other night. Using your favorite word, it's going to be a good litmus test for the North Carolina Bulldogs this oh, Friday night. Oh, big time. And I know Coach Coleman, in talking with him before the season started, he thought very highly of this North Carolina team. He thinks highly of Bell, uh, who certainly has a heck of a lot of athleticism. We know he can run. Uh, he certainly can put the ball up in the air uh, and, and get the ball down the field uh, when, uh, when need be. It's just going to be a matter of those guys making plays in the passing game. But I, I think for Caroline, it's going to be, yeah, I mean, limit the offensive possessions for Caroline or for Decatur and uh, try to hold on to the ball for as long as they can. They played Decatur really tough last year uh, in Berlin in that regular season game. And that wasn't quite the case in the playoff game. Decatur won fairly handily. But can they repeat what happened last year and maybe come out with a win? I know Decatur will be... Uh, you know, certainly taking them seriously, as they should, with a pair of 6-0 and o teams doing battle. Absolutely. This next segment sponsored by Midshore Exteriors, handling your roofing, siding, and gutter needs across the shore. Every detail matters, so let the Master Elite GAF certified and shingle master roofers take care of your home or business today. They've got the best warranty in the industry. More info at midshoreexteriors.com. Colonel Richardson Snow Hill. I know we're bouncing all over the place. That's okay. Yeah. By the way, if you ever want to get a complete wrap-up of all the scores of the Friday night action, Mike does a great job on our Overtime Live Facebook page. You can go there, and you can get all the scores right there um, after the uh, games are done and you do it before you leave. So uh, Mike does a good job on keeping us up to date there. Colonel Richardson Snow Hill coming into town and for their homecoming. And I, I don't know if I expected – a closer ball game in, in between the two, but Colonel Richardson, they bowed up and they showed out. No, they certainly did, and, and I think it was fair to say coming in that you would expect a, a closer game. But I was curious, you know, to see in terms of the trench play, 
you know, who would uh, you know, how Snow Hill would hold up, I should say. And, you know, Colonel Richardson and you guys did a game. You were there between Colonel and Cambridge, which was a really good game. You know, Colonel's got some physicality. They've got some size for the 1A that is in the trenches. Um, and, and they really put that to use against Snow Hill. And I just watching because I, I went back and forth on the NHFS uh, between that game and well, a couple of different games, including uh, Ken Island Decatur a little bit. But uh, Colonel just, to me, dominated in the trenches there. One of Snow Hill's touchdowns was on special teams, as they're capable of doing. Um, but Colonel really dominated there. And as you know, when they have it running and they have it going on the offensive side, they eat up a lot of clock and limit offensive possessions. And um, young Colonel was both defensively, too. It wasn't just offensively um, being able to rack up yards and get a push on the Snow Hill defense. It was defensively. They were able to push uh, push back against the Colonel Richardson. Or, I'm sorry, Colonel Richardson's D-line was able to get penetration on the Snow Hill offensive line uh, as well. And that really, to me, was the difference uh, difference in the game there. 55-28, the final there. And Colonel Richardson now, you know, on, on the brink of capturing their third straight uh, small well, school 1A title. Well, I think they I, – I, going back, I think they have in that – and we're just talking about the 1A matchups now. Even if they were to lose somehow, some way to Kent County – the fact that they have the tiebreaker over Snow Hill and uh, Cambridge head-to-head, it wouldn't matter. Not that we're expecting, with all due respect, Colonel to lose to Kent County. Uh, but, yeah, they, they've as far as I know, they've sewed it up. I mean, I you know, you don't count the 2A games with the 1A. At least I don't. This portion of the Time Out with Shore Sports podcast is brought to you by Queenstown Bank, your community bank of the Eastern Shore with nine branches across four counties. They're conveniently located in or near your hometown. Stop in at any of their branches or give them a call at 410-827-8881. Queenstown Bank, your official hometown bank, member FDIC and equal housing lender. Mark Potter and Mike Bradley alongside recapping the high school Bayside football action from Friday night. Uh, Parkside scores a win, 14-9 over Easton. Easton does finally score an offensive touchdown. Had a chance late, but threw an interception uh, with under a minute left to, to end their chance at a victory. Yeah, and I didn't get a chance to talk uh, to Coach Riley, but I did talk to uh, Coach Griffith after the game. And even though they lost this game, he said they battled hard. Um, Dustin Blue started a quarterback, had a nice uh, touchdown pass to Carter Mooney in this one. Um, you know, he talked about the fact that he saw improvement on the offensive line. They moved the ball well in between the 20s at times. He said they fought well. He said we showed emotion as well. And so all the signs of the incremental progress given – uh, the issues that they're dealing with right now, it seemed like even though it was a loss, it was a win and a step in the right direction in terms of trying to finish this season strong. And I guess the interesting thing, and Mark, you could talk about this in, in detail since you're the JV coach, is that you know Easton coming into this year pretty young as it was anyway and was expected though still, at least I thought and others thought, that they'd still have a solid year. And Mikey O'Connor goes down with the injury and then they still had that uh, uncertainty on the offensive line. They needed to get more out of it, and so they're now starting three sophomores. But I guess some could say, well, Mike, th- this was going to maybe happen a little bit this year anyway in terms of Easton with their youth. Um, so are we surprised that they're where they are right now? I still am. You know, I, I expected uh, maybe I gave them a little bit too much credit uh, with the young team. I expected them to be a little bit better, but 
that all said, they are a young team, and no matter what they're going through now, should only make them better for next year and the end of this season. I think what part of the problem is, and this is this is me talking. This is you know this is Mark Potter, the yeah. overtime live talking, not Mark Potter, the coach. I think what you're seeing is you have some upperclassmen that aren't reaching the levels that were hoped for them. I see. So you have some youngsters that you know, hey, if we're going to struggle. Then let's get these kids some experience. Yeah, let's get even more youth in there. Let's get an in-game experience and let's build on the future because Griffith isn't out after this year by no stretch of the imagination. Right. Um, You know, so I I think this is something that it will help the team in the future. Yeah. Um, And you know, it's why you know we're we're going to go. Younger kids tend to care a little bit more when you're on a struggling team. Um, there's a lot of kids that aren't used to losing. You know, I, I had, I think he's got, what, 14 sophomores on that roster? You know, and all but two of them played for me last year. Mm-hmm. The other two are were on varsity last year. Yeah. You know, so, mm. yeah, it, it's a young team, and I, I think they're a team that they won't make much noise this year. You never know. I mean, look at Caroline last year in the playoffs. They they shocked Easton. They did. They you did. You know, so I mean, they could be they could be a team that could ruin somebody's season at the end, depending on the you know where they end up in the mm-hmm. playoffs and what have you. Uh, but I, I think it's a team that will continue to get better, and yeah. you know we'll see how that plays out. Um, you know, into next year. And and that's and again that's what you're looking for. But clearly though, uh, youth or no youth, when you lose your starting quarterback like that. That that changes everything. So again, maybe I maybe I built them up a little bit too much this year early on, and um, you know that is what it is now. But to to their credit uh, against Parkside, you know defensively, um, obviously kept the they, they were kept in the game, even though the offense it may not have shown on the scoreboard. Sounds like it, it it played better than may have indicated by the nine points. The defense kept them in the game, but that's not surprising. That is the the strength of the team this year, and yeah, we'll see where they go from uh, from here to the rest of the season. I know high school sports is different than college sports and such, and you know, uh, teams can have losing records, and the coaches still be you know keep their jobs and what have you. Because let's face it, nobody wants to be a you know a coach anymore at the high school level because it's a thankless job and it's a job you know it takes it's a lot of hours and a lot of time, you know. And I just I just have to wonder, you know, when you when you get beat a lot, they, you know Parkside, for instance, coming off a, a last second loss to J.M. Bennett on a field goal, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and not saying that Coach Brennan Riley wasn't hungry or anything like that. He still wants to win. It's all about you know building for the boys and and turning them into men. But I, I would have to think this this win, even though it was against Easton has got to be a boost for the confidence in that program. Uh, it was much needed, and you're absolutely right. If they fall to Easton, oof, that that would have been tough finishing out the regular season. Uh, so I, I'm with you. That, that came at a very good time on the schedule for them, and they're also trying to work through a quarterback situation. Look, the guy that they had that they were expecting to start this year – he ends up not going for them and had some issues, whatever they were. That's all kept private, and we respect that. You know, Kane and Mapp, they tried to put a quarterback. That just didn't work out, and now they move up a JV quarterback to starter, and they're going through those uh, 
those growing pains uh, there. And again, the schedule hasn't been exactly kind to them, uh, much like we saw uh, or we're seeing with Kent County. Well, Parkside's JV football team didn't miss their uh, the varsity quarterback because they kicked our butt last week, too. Yeah, so. I saw it was a tough yeah. loss for yeah. you guys. Yeah. Uh, Washington, they score their first touchdown of the year and uh, in a loss to Arcadia, 23-8. to eight. But uh, uh, again, Alec Mincer is uh, keeping the focus and uh, on building the program and, and trying to return the tradition, so to speak, to trying to get Washington back on the map. Well, we talk about the incremental progress, Mark. And look, Washington, not known for scoring points. I mean, they've had a difficult time. I think they scored their first points last year in the final game of the season last year, if memory serves, on a quarterback sneak. So the fact that they got out to an 8 nothing lead against Arcadia, they were the first ones to score. Braden Corbin to Devell Morgan. And then Kill James scored the two-point conversion on uh, on homecoming in Princess Anne there. That was a big deal. Now, it's funny, Alex said though that here we scored and we haven't scored in a long time and you know and then it's almost like okay now what well you still got the rest of the game to go but that was such a big deal that it's like they had reached the zenith at that point and then to kind of keep him into the game afterwards that's tough now all the points coach said were scored in the first half for both teams two of the uh, touchdowns for Arcadia came on passes with good coverage technique could have been better there in terms of playing the ball it sounds like uh, from coach he said that the, the issue that they've had is that you know when they needed the passing game it hasn't been there enough for him and that's something they're working through but a big admission though he said the triple option they've mostly abandoned he said it was just for our young guys on the line he just said it was it was too complicated yeah and we thought you know what let's not keep banging our heads against the wall let's change things up and so they're going to more of a gap scheme and that may be working out a little bit better for them and we'll see where they go from here the rest of the way i don't know if a win is in the offing for them but certainly Hopefully a few more touchdowns scored, more competitive play. This is the tightest game they've played all year, if memory serves. So you're seeing those signs. And again, you're not going to see it show up on the scoreboard as much, or certainly in the win-loss column, probably for another year or so. But they're making that stride. This next segment is sponsored by our friends at Hook Optics. Yeah, eisenart.net or hookoptics.com. You can try on your brand-new pair of sunglasses, Hook Optics, at an optical galleria, three locations to serve you. Teal Marsh Plaza in West Ocean City, West Water Street in downtown Centerville, and on Harrison Street in downtown Easton. Queen Anne's County High goes to Kent County, lays a whooping on them, 5612. They did, and no surprise here, uh, with all due respect to Kent County. Queen Anne's a 2A, Kent County a 1A. Not that there's any guarantee, but we know Queen Anne's certainly strong defensively and in the trenches, and in this game, uh, Lance Arnold, the backup, got the start. The sophomore backup got the start because Devin Arnold, or make that Devin Wright, excuse me, was out uh, nursing a rib injury. Uh, but uh, they did a better job of, of executing. They had issues uh, against North Carolina the week before. Uh, they felt like they left points on the board. But in this one, they got after it. They took care of business. Um, he thought defensively, Coach Mooney, that is, is that uh, the defensive ends rushed well. The secondary was tested. They had a couple of sick, player, sick players uh, that were out for the game. They had to substitute. A couple of the scores they gave up to, uh, to Kent County were just a couple of busted coverages, and they had some dropped interceptions. But uh, they got the uh, they got the job done with scoring and that's just a better team a deeper team a more talented team and uh so they're now three and three on the season 
And again, that's a team where they've got three games left, including the war on the shore against Ken Island. And then in the playoffs, it's going to be interesting to see where that team is because they have more room for improvement on offense. Right. We know they we, we hear about the fact that their skilled players are young, they're adjusting to a new offense, they're leaving points on the field. There's still things they could do better. Sometimes Wright needs to get rid of the ball just a little bit quicker. If they start clicking on some of those things, it is going to be interesting to see how dangerous Queen Anne's could be, uh, not only the war on the shore, but in the playoffs uh for uh for the rest of the season. So they're certainly a, a, a team to watch. No doubt about that. And uh let's see wrapping up the action Cambridge, South Dorchester, doubling up a Y high, 28-14. And that's a team that Coach Fragamo has talked about them endlessly, about the, the stars that they have on that squad, and that as they get healthy, they're going to be dangerous come playoff time. Well, I, I think they're dangerous right now, and just as Y high and uh, Parkside. I mean, they've won now two uh, games against two A teams, and they've been without you guys talked it up a little bit in uh, during the game when you were talking about it they missed a couple of guys due to injury but that said they're deep at the skill positions and I, I guess I'm impressed with the fact that they've handled themselves well enough in the trenches that is not an easy why high team to run the football against or play against now they didn't run the ball that much they went to the air a lot in this one um, and look I think Blake LaBelle who you know uh, Mark Blake LaBelle's been a huge addition transferring back to Cambridge uh, he threw uh, multiple touchdown passes in this one uh, to Belazar uh, also uh, to Blueford and Anthony Hughes. So he had three touchdown passes. He had a couple of runs last week. I think three touchdown runs last week and two passing touchdowns. So he really adds an element of uh, balance and passing that I'm not sure they had the last couple of seasons to truly be able to get the ball uh, to their playmakers. And they're making the most of it. And now getting guys back that were hurt is big for them. And, and Mark, they're they're well in their way. And look, let, let's be honest about this. They lose to Colonel by one point. They had a chance with a wide-open tight end to seal the deal and, and win the game at the end in the fourth quarter. Uh, the pass was missed, and, and look, they didn't make the play. Colonel won, and that is what it is. But I don't think anybody can tell me that there's a whole lot of difference between Colonel and Cambridge in terms of the talent. And frankly, given the fact they've got not one but two two-way wins, you could still argue that Cambridge is just as good, maybe if not better than Colonel, but colonel won the head-to-head so that's a that's a tough call on the power pole just to give you some insight to that um but yeah the vikings uh four and two and and looking strong so there you go looking at uh, all the games from across the bay side and uh uh, i think exciting games lie ahead for our overtime live preston ford game of the week this week we head to berlin uh, to uh, check out north carolina and decatur next week ken island and north carolina and then yeah. we wrap up week nine with Ken Island and Queen Anne's. It'll be the first time we get a look at Queen Anne's this year uh, as well. So uh, that's what we've got on schedule. Yeah, that's probably the first time in a long time we haven't seen yeah. them that, uh, or seen them first that late in the uh, in the season. Um, but you know, one of the things going back just quickly from the Decatur Ken Island game, you did see Ken Island have success running the football and the off tackles and tight end plays uh, in the run game there. Um, and so that's an area where when they were able to be at their best in the running game, they did have success there. And I can only hope that we see a Ken Island Decatur rematch, but that won't happen till late in the season if they if they both get there. But hey, hats off to, Ken, uh, to Stephen Decatur. They not only won one on the road, they won decisively and for the first time since 2008. 
And offensively, again, for the most part, they couldn't be stopped, Mark. You know, give uh, give them all the credit because we lauded Ken Island's defense and Coach Goodrich, and I know they'll use that as motivation. They're still very good, so don't get me wrong, but Decatur's just got a lot of weapons. I mean, you were there. <laughs> and, and Ken Island didn't play their best game either. So, you know. I, some of that's because of the team they're playing. <laughs> I, I, no, I, and I give them that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, Decatur was on. Ken Island was not. It'll be interesting to see if, uh, you know, if they meet up again before we get to the semifinals. You know, coming out of the East, are they one two mm-hmm. or are they one three? Yeah, well, that, you know? that, yeah, that's a good point. But I don't think there's any question, though. Uh, to be fair to Ken Island, they're still the second best team in the Bayside. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, make sure you follow along. Go to OvertimeLive.net. Mike Bradley will have all the stuff there. He does his picks and he does his uh, uh, power poll as well. You can follow along with that. You can also find it at ShoresportsMD.com. If you ever want to listen to the game somewhere, you can go to ShoresportsMD.com. There's a link right to 94.3 Winks FM, and you can listen that way, or you can download the free Winks FM radio app at ForeverMidshore.com. Got comments? Want to send Mike a comment? Feel free to do that. All you yeah, got to do is send to Mike at ShoresportsMD.com. I don't check my email anymore. I've got other stuff going on, but uh, you know, Mike at ShoresportsMD.com. You can send me Well, you check email my emails, thankfully. At Mark at ShoresportsMD.com as well. We're going to have to get Coach uh, you know, set up maybe on an email there as well. Yeah. But yeah. uh, no, well, listen. Hey, thanks for listening. Yeah, a, a quick addition today. We were able to breeze right through it. Yeah, we so, did. Yeah. yeah. So, timeout with Shore Sports. We're back again next week with another edition right here. Timeout with Shore Sports, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. You've been listening to the Timeout with Shore Sports podcast with Mark Potter and Mike Bradley, presented by the Preston Automotive Group. You can email Mark and Mike with your comments and questions. Mark at ShoreSportsMD.com or Mike at ShoreSportsMD.com. Look for another Timeout with Shore Sports podcast soon.